Hello, welcome to Storage Intensity, a podcast that is intense on storage and storage-related technologies. Each week, we sit down face-to-face with storage vendors and influencers to dive deep on subjects that matter to IT professionals. I'm your host, George Crump, Lead Analyst at Storage Switzerland. In this episode, I am uh, uh, privileged to have joining me on the podcast, Charles Fan. He is the CEO of a company called Memberge. Charles, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. Oh, you're welcome. So, uh, Charles, let's start with uh, who's Memberge? What are you guys, just like in 30 seconds, give me the 30-second version. Sure. We are a software startup uh, focusing on building the next-generation software platform on top of storage class memory that delivers larger memory, faster storage without application care. Okay. And and so when I think of storage class memory, the first name that comes to mind is Intel Optane. Yes. Uh, is that basically what we're talking about? Yeah, today that is the uh, only product on the market uh, that offers truly storage class memory, serving as general purpose memory for, for servers. But we believe there will be more uh, coming to the market in the coming years. Okay. And now, as I recall, uh, on, uh, let's just you know stay on Optane for a second. Yeah. Um, there's two modes, right, in Optane. Yeah. There's like a, it pretends it's storage mode, and there's right. another word, it, right. it's memory mode. How, right. I, what, sure. what are the differences, and which one do you guys support? Sure. Uh, so, uh, Optane, actually, yeah, they, um, you can either see it as two modes or three modes. Okay. So, um, let me explain. Okay. The first mode is what they call memory mode, and okay. this is pretending to be memory, okay. to be volatile memory. Okay. So, the difference between Storage class memory and volatile memory is with volatile memory, if you reboot your machine, your data is no longer there. Right. With persistent memory or storage class memory, the memory stays there, right. just like a storage or SSD device. Right, sure. Uh, uh, but in this case, in the memory mode, uh, storage class memory try to forget it is a persistent memory. It pretend to be a volatile one. Huh, okay. The reason for that is so that it's compatible gotcha. with the memory before, so the application don't have to change. Okay. And so that they can take advantage of the size or density of this new memory, which is about 10 times the density of DRAM. Gotcha. So essentially, you get a bigger volatile memory, a little bit slower than DRAM, but much bigger. And in this case, it's compatible, it's volatile, and the application can just use it. Gotcha. So that's the first mode, uh, memory mode. The second mode uh, has two sub-modes. So they call it AppDirect, uh, which is like sort of the more native, persistent mode to access a memory. Uh, but within the app direct, there is a block storage mode, okay. uh, which is the other compatibility mode, okay. where where it pretends to be a SSD. Okay. <laughs> so it, it pretends to be a storage device, okay. you know, 4K uh, block read and write and, okay. and, and all that. And the advantage of that is you don't have to change your application. You gotcha. just uh, behave like SSD, operating system sees it like SSD, so it works. Uh, the downside is you cannot use it as memory anymore. So because it's kind of block access. Gotcha. So the third mode or the second sub-mode of the second mode is, app, is true AppDirect, persistent okay. memory mode. Okay. In this mode, you, you get a benefit of both the persistence and by the addressability memory access. Okay. Uh, so, so you get you know, 100% of the benefit of this new media. Uh, but in this case, you have to rewrite your app to this new API. So in some cases, you have to redesign your application logic to take full advantage of this wonderful new media. So those are the three modes that the hardware provides and you configure them through BIOS. And uh, you can switch from one one mode to another mode, but that does require a reboot uh, between switching the modes of the device. So where we come in 
is we access the underlying persistent memory in the third mode, okay. in the most flexible persistent memory mode. Okay. But then we present through software to application memory mode, storage mode, and persistent memory mode all at the same time. So it's kind of an infrastructure service at the software. The benefit is you can dy dynamically reconfigure between them. Right. And we also, through our layer, which we call memory virtualization layer, okay. that you can actually optimize the IOs between memory and storage, given they actually land on the same piece of media. So essentially we can changing the property of the object on the memory, between memory and storage uh, through our software switches. Uh, so that's the, uh, the, the layer of software we do. Um, and so that the application can get the benefit of both larger memory and faster storage, and they don't have to rewrite their app. Okay, so they can take a native app, they, it can see as much memory, RAM memory as it wants to see, and yes. then also use uh, the, the Optane for, for storage yes. itself. Okay, exactly. now the, um, so get, I, I think it would be good to just get some context. What, g give me some really good use cases uh, for sure. your guys' software. Sure. So, uh, you know, maybe I'll start kind of in general and then I'll dive, dive into the specific use cases. Okay, that's great. Uh, so in general, uh, that we believe today, uh, there, there are good solutions for the big data problem. There are enough scale out uh, story solutions to address the uh, capacity uh, of data that grows okay. to petabytes and petabytes. Uh, there are also good solutions for fast data problems where you need real time insights, processing of data. Uh, in, in those cases, it's usually uh, using DRAM as the uh, media to uh, right. place data to perform those real-time low latency operations. Right. Um, but there is not a good solution for big and fast. Okay. When you need to deal with data at larger capacity, but at the same time, you want to draw low latency, real-time insights from the data, there's really not a good solution today from infrastructure point of view. Gotcha. And okay. that's more limited you know, fundamentally by the underlying media that was available, okay. uh, you know, to the software developer uh, before. So, so if I have an app that, that needs that real-time performance, but also yeah. needs a lot of capacity, yes. that's where you guys come in. Exactly. Got it. So okay. then now, let me give you some examples of okay. that. Okay, all right. So the first example is machine learning. Okay. Uh, and in fact, that's one of the reasons we're here at Denver. Yes. All right. So the, the first use case is machine learning. Uh, with machine learning, um, there are various kinds of machine learning problems. And we are particularly useful for the machine learning problem that has a higher data density, meaning the amount of data, both the size of the model, the number of parameters in the model, as well as the amount of training data are large. Okay. So the, the time it requires to I.O. to access the training data, as well as the amount of memory that's required to uh, store the model are very big. Okay. Uh, so you both need bigger memory for the model uh, placement, as well as uh, faster storage for the training data uh, to going through the model. Gotcha. So in this case, you have need for both big and fast. So the, the, the machine learning example, I feel like everybody always cites is autonomous vehicle. W would that be an example of this type of machine learning or is there a yes. better one? I think that will be an example of uh, a machine learning problem that can use us. Okay. Uh, there are certainly other use cases. For example, we are working with some video surveillance company okay. for the back end of the video surveillance systems. Okay. We are also working with uh, a number of internet service providers for their recommendation engine. Okay. Uh, you know, the, such as when you uh, log into a social network, 
it recommends uh, who you might want to connect with. Gotcha. Um, and, and such recommendation engines actually tend to have very large uh, models, very okay. much large machine learning models, and in particularly uh, a good fit for our solution. So in, in the so in the uh, the the image, the security uh, one is it basically saying because obviously you could have thousands of hours of video and it right. basically is it trying to isolate down to something that okay hey human you should take a look at this one is that yes. the basic model yes okay. so that is another example uh besides machine learning uh is uh for the financial industry okay uh for the market data analytics sure uh essentially you are dealing with uh say last last 10 years of uh of market data that are still coming in every day in the right. order of half a terabyte a day so over the last 10 years, there could be petabytes of market data there to be uh, processed. And uh, there are many uh, times uh, quantitative researchers would like to have uh, easy and quick ways to validate their model. They're, they can invent 10 different new models every day, right. and they need to backtest, uh, you know, testing these prediction models based on historic data. Um, and in this case, they need a system that's fast enough to process those data. And we found a number of use cases where our solutions are order magnitude faster okay. than existing solutions. And there is also the other side of the uh, marketing analytics, which is dealing with processing of the live stream that are coming in in real time. And our solution can really process that with very low latency uh, as well. So okay. it can really deal with both the size as well as the velocity uh, of the data that's coming okay. in. Is there anything outside of machine learning uh, uh, in, in image recognition that you would also suggest? Uh, sure. So, the, uh, uh, for example, the financial is not entirely machine learning. Oh, it, it. There are various ways of processing the data. Uh, we also have uh, customers uh, dealing with big data analytics, and okay. that is another use case. And more, more recently, uh, we started supporting uh, MySQL databases uh, okay. <laughs> on top of our platform. And uh, we actually just finished a POC with a bank uh, uh, for their credit card services. It increases the uh, transaction per second for the credit card transaction processing by three times okay. by moving from a DRAM plus SSD infrastructure to our infrastructure, running the same MySQL data. Gotcha. Okay. So let, let's talk sort of the sort of the uh, tactile components here. So you've already said your software. So if I'm assembling uh, a so solution built around, or an infrastructure, I guess, I guess I should say, built around your solution, what does that look like? I get, do I install software on every server? Yeah, yeah. How does that work? Yes. So uh, we are a software-only solution. You know, our belief um, is that the future data center will be two things. will be software-defined, uh -huh. or infrastructure services will be available through software uh, definitions, okay. and uh, uh, two, memory-centric. Okay. We believe... Because of the emergence of storage class memory, uh, memory will play a bigger role in the okay. data center going forward. Uh, so um, our software is a memory-centric software, and it's, it's software. So, okay. so <laughs> it's software you hit the defined. two key points. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. So, uh, so our software can be deployed on-prem or in the cloud uh, once the uh, right hardware is available through a cloud services. Gotcha. So if you deploy it on-prem, um, you by the servers, uh, your favorite from your favorite OEM server vendors, and um, and then you uh, you go to the OS. Uh, we support a number of OSs, uh, the popular OS versions, and then you install our software. And we are a distributed software, so we can support a server farm or server cluster of up to 128 nodes, 128 servers, 
and we have a way to automatically deploy our software across these servers so okay. that you don't have to go to each other's servers uh, to install them. And then our software runs on top of those servers. Those servers uh, do need to have uh, storage class memory inside. Today, Octane is your choice. Tomorrow, hopefully, there will be uh, other choices. And we we support Octane very well. And Intel is uh, our most important partner mm -hmm. uh, from a supplier point of view. But we plan to support additional products as they become available. Um, inside the servers, we also support DRAM in addition to the storage class memory. And DRAM is being used as cache okay. for the memory services. Okay. You know, they, they make the speed of memory service close to a memory service provided by pure DRAM. Uh, and we also support SSDs if you have them in the same servers. And those SSDs can be used as the second tier for the storage services. Okay. So that it increases the capacity and, and betters the uh, economy, uh, economics of the uh, storage. Services. So you could shuffle uh, you could shuffle data in and out of the flash tier into the octane right. tier? That's right. We are the intelligence layer that managing the data placement and the promotion demotion uh, between the two tiers of data, uh, depending on how, um, how in demand those data are. Gotcha. Okay. So the, um, if, if I look at sort of the market and you look at uh, sort of the competition that's out there, there's there's only a couple of companies I think that are really doing anything at all in this space. Do you expect this to get more crowded as, as it evolves? Um, I do think so. So uh, let me, uh, uh, before directly answering that question, let me okay. give, give you my long-term view okay. of how the data center will evolve okay. and, and what I think how the industry might evolve uh, towards that long-term view. So let's say look forward 10 years. Um, I think there will be a number of things that change inside the data center, whether it's cloud data center or on-prem data center. Um, the um, one of such change is uh, is a memory layer will be very different. Uh, so today, memory typically sits inside of servers. Um, it's co-located with CPUs. And, um, and then you have the networking, and then you have sort of the primary storage. Right. That's typically driven by the performance of the storage. Today, it's increasingly all flash right. uh, systems. And then you could have another layer of storage that's more capacity-driven, secondary archival storage that today is more hard drive-driven. Uh, gotcha. um, we think tomorrow, the memory tier uh, will be a mixture of DRAM, volatile memory, and storage class memory, such as Optane. Um, and this layer, number one, will be much bigger. So today with Optane, you can support six terabytes per server. Okay. Uh, first half of next year, in six months, uh, it's going to support eight terabytes. Wow. And in another year, early 2021, it's going to double to 16 terabytes per okay. server. Uh, the reason is it's a 3D technology. You can actually layer more layers, okay. just like NAND Flash, okay. where today, 3D crosspoint or Octane is two layers. Right. The the generation that coming eighteen months from now is going to have four layers, and then there will be a design. I think Intel already finished for eight layers. Uh, that wow. will come a few years later, a couple years later. So we can get up to like thirty two terabytes. You can get to thirty two terabytes, um, and then can double again to sixty four terabytes. Wow. Uh, so the amount of memory there will be a couple orders of magnitude increase right. uh, in terms of amount of memory available uh, to the application. So that means the application can be designed and deployed in very different ways than it is today. Huh. The second difference is because of persistence nature of the storage class memory, the combined with the right software, such as ours, 
the data services and persistence and protection can be enabled directly from the memory tier. Gotcha. So that means you may no longer need that primary tier of storage. So that the entire storage, the $50 billion market might disappear wow. because of this new memory tier right. uh, existence. Right. So, so we I, might have like a memory tier and an archive tier, but nothing in between. That's it. That's very interesting. Right. Okay. And then the memory tier, if you look, double click the memory tier, it might look a little different from today. Awesome. Okay. So the memory could sit in the same box as a CPU. Uh, but there could be more than one kind of CPUs. There are CPUs and GPUs and right. other processing units, FPGAs, uh, you name it. Uh, there could be more than one type of memory, like we mentioned. And there could be a new interconnect between the computing unit and memory units, a new memory bus. And right. a number of candidates are being discussed, such as the Excel, okay. uh, that can give you nanosecond scale uh, latency right. across servers within the same rack. So, so do you see a time where we don't buy uh, like I've always envisioned the future data center is a bunch of stuff on the wall, right. components, and I go, okay, I need, you know, eight CPUs, two GPUs, and this amount of, you know, DRAM and this amount of storage class memory, and then through this yeah. advanced network, it assembles right. a server. Uh, I, I, I think that's what we've been talking about as a composable infrastructure. Right. Essentially, you compose your infrastructure and you available, you make them available to software as uh, as software. So you make them available to the applications as right, software. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the future we are looking at. And the underlying the, the architecture will be a little different with this, uh, this mesh of computing units and memory units within a rack. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's going to support essentially all your essential online application teams. Right. That makes uh, sense. right. So now answering your question, I believe this is a vision that many of us share in the industry now. Okay. Um, and there'll be more and more people sharing this vision as we move forward in the next two years, three years, five years. Okay. Uh, it's gonna take some time. It's gonna be a little journey because sure. there's a, it's, there are a few components well, in this information. Infrastructure too, right, right. right. Yeah. And, and when you're talking about the creation of a new uh, uh, $10 billion market and sure. a, a removal of a $50 billion market, it's a long journey. Yeah. Uh, but I think more people will be sharing that vision so the question, answer to your question is yes. We believe it will be a more active space. There will be other uh, players, uh, companies, uh, startups, or large companies who share the same view as we do, and uh, we'll be working on similar technology. Well, as if we the do. primary market goes away, they'll be forced to, right? I mean, right. it's you know right. they they have to do something. Okay, right. so then let's. So I, I I know we've hit on a couple of these. Um, a few weeks ago, we were in uh, Denver. We did a Lightboard video. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for uh, our listeners. Um, just descriptively, though, give a uh, uh, give a summary of kind of what what we went through there. Yeah. So I think um, it was great talking to you in Denver. Uh, it was a it's the first time I do a Lightboard. <laughs> Interesting experience. <laughs> the. Uh, um, I think we, we went through sort of in particular because of it's a supercomputing show. Right. Uh, we we talked through some of the same stuff we just talked through, right. um, and uh, we particular diving to the, you know, AI and HPC use cases that's very applicable to the supercomputing crowd, yeah. where it's all about the high performance computing and AI. Yeah, and, and then we also visually kind of went through this architecture that we just sort of explained. Exactly. So if you want to see a visual representation of that, the Lightboard will help them with that too, right? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we wrap up, let's um, talk a little bit about you. What, what's what's your background? Uh, what brought you to founding members? Sure. Sure. 
So Man Merge is my second startup. Okay. Uh, my first startup was created 21 years ago, so it was a long time ago. Oh, you're, 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 you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, uh, I was actually a still student okay. at that time. It was a company called Infinity. Okay. Uh, yeah. We were doing file virtualization, and yeah. uh, we were acquired by EMC. Uh, right. And uh, then I worked for EMC. I worked for VMware for about 12 years. Okay. Uh, my last project, last five years at VMware was spent leading the storage team. Okay. Uh, and we developed uh, a product called vSAN or Virtual sure. SAN. Sure. Uh, the team did uh, some great work on that product. And I think that is a, a leader in the software-defined storage space. Yeah. Um, and uh, about two and a half years ago, uh, uh, my co-founder of Infinity, Shuki Brook, and I, got together and we saw the first SSD product from Intel using the storage class memory came to market. That was happening Q2 2017. Okay. And we thought that was a uh, defining moment uh, because this storage class memory has been talked about for 20 years, but no one has seen a real product uh, you know, that's generally available you can buy on amazon.com. Sure. And we actually bought an SSD on oh. amazon.com, making sure it's for real. We tested it, it's for real. And we open it up, we see the chip. We, that, that means Intel can actually manufacture the chip with good yield. Right. We think it's gonna turn the whole data center upside down over the next 10 years. So Shuki and I decided to start this company to deliver the software that's needed for that revolution. Right, well, and, and to your point earlier, there's really, I mean, what we're seeing mostly right now is people supporting it like it was a disk drive. Right, right, exactly. So, so we are actually not targeting that particular product because that product is to be you know, compatible with SSD and, right. and to, to, you know, it's also the first product that has a lower performance requirement. So you can sort of uh, warm up your <laughs> hardware chip technology before it's ready for the memory product. Right. The memory product actually was just introduced this year. Right. So two years ago, we were predicting it's going to come out and uh, Intel delivered uh, this year. Sigh of relief when that happened. Yes, <laughs> yes. That was a big uncertainty outside of control. Yeah. And Good job to Intel. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are very happy to see that come to realization. And uh, so, so we started early, uh, and, uh, and we, we intend to continue to be the first mover in pushing towards the uh, vision we just described. Great. Well, Charles, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, George. You're welcome. I, again, I will have uh, information in the show notes. Uh, we've written up a couple of briefing notes on Memverge. Of course, we have the video that we just mentioned. I will also link to uh, some uh, interesting documents on their site as well. For now, though, I'm George Crump, lead analyst for Storage Switzerland. Have a great day.